0: As we think of marriage as we think of family as we think of the home it is good that we commit ourselves to stay to stay together to stay and never stray it is also good that in the month of may rhyming with may that we say we say good things we say only those things that are good only those things that bless only those things that encourage it is also rhyming with the month of May as we talked about this morning it is important that we display we say good words we display our love for each other we don't just profess it we don't just confess it but we we manifest it we, we demonstrate it every opportunity we have we have lots of opportunities these words rhyme with the month of May, but May is now ending. This is the last Sunday in May. But isn't it wise to continue these things in June, July, for the rest of the year, for the rest of our lives? God has a dream. He has a vision for us that we be joyful people. And one of the ways that he has created for us made possible for us to have joy is he's created us to have a desire to not live our lives alone, but to be with somebody, somebody that'll bless us, somebody that will be for us what Eve was for Adam, somebody that'll help us, somebody that'll strengthen us, and somebody that we will help, we will bless, and, and we will strengthen. It is such a gift, the gift of, of marital love, but also the gift that we parents have for our children we children have for our parents the gift that brothers and sisters have for each other in the physical family the 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 blessing of of love that we have for each other in our spiritual and our forever family relationships matter because people matter and we get to be with people we get to be with lots and lots of people and you remember The first thing in all of God's creation that was not good was Adam's loneliness. Now, there are some people who can thrive in isolation, it seems, from other folks. And if that's you, God bless you and keep going in that direction again if you can do that and be joyful. In fact, do you remember there was a time when persecution was was looming in the lives of a lot of those early Christians that Paul recommended you know now's not a good time to be to be in love with somebody besides Jesus because you know in these perilous times you're gonna to need to be able to focus on on preserving your life and, and your relationship with Christ and you know a family right now is just not it's not an ideal time to be launching into a, a, a deep commitment with another person. But thankfully persecution is past for us. And these are good times to be husband, to be wife, to be a godly man, a godly woman, and godly parents. Um, but here's the dilemma. Here's one of the dilemmas. The devil is very good at being bad. He's very good at infecting us at times with, with a a desire maybe, an inclination towards unhappiness is that you has it ever been you where where you just you, you you feel like from time to time you go through some stuff and you're not happy unless you're aggravated about something you're not happy unless you're miserable about something and if you're miserable then what about the people that that live in your circle in your sphere of influence if you're miserable enough then you have the ability to induce misery in in their hearts and their lives in fact have you noticed that we learned this pretty early that the way to get our way is to protest the way to get our way is to pout the way to get our way is to pitch a fit if we're loud enough angry enough tantrum enough we're gonna get our way people will give us the bottle they'll give us the toy just to get us to hush with a child with a toddler it's not desirable but it's understandable we get that but some people never outgrow that or they never completely get away from going back to that kind of as their 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 ace that they got in their sleeve If they're not going to do things my way, then I'll show them they will pay a high price. That's not the way God wants marriage to be. He wants us to be together joyfully. In fact, Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 9 tells the husband to live joyfully with the wife that you love. Again, that's God's plan. The devil has a different plan. And you and I, we cast the, the deciding vote. How would you feel if you were being videoed and you didn't know you are being videoed? Probably wouldn't feel too comfortable about that. One of the premier marriage counselors in the state of Tennessee, he's retired now, but I heard him tell this years ago. In his office, before someone would come and see him, a couple would come and talk to him, he would sit in his office. They would sit out in a holding area, lobby area, waiting area. And he had a video camera on them, and they didn't know that. And he said, and this is pretty predictable, and I don't necessarily agree with his conclusion of this or what he would say this means, but he said... And by the time I heard him tell this, he was up in age. So he had been counseling married couples for decades. And he said, not one time, as I would watch that couple before they come in and talk to me, not one time did I see them smile. Not one time did I see them laughing with each other. And he would surmise, his conclusion would be, that that's a big part of the problem. That's what's going wrong in their marriage. They've forgotten how to enjoy one another. They've forgotten how to laugh together, smile together. And you and I would probably get that and agree with that on some level, but we would also say what? Well, of course they're not smiling. Of course they're not in a good mood. Of course they're not laughing. They're sitting in your office, your waiting area. They're about to come in, and it's going to be awkward. It's going to be uncomfortable. There's going to be some accusations hurled. There's going to be some folks challenged to make changes, and it's just not a climate where you'd, uh, to to quote uh, a mash line, there's not going to be a lot of jocularity. In that context in that setting but we need to get back to that word jocularity we need to be able to have joy in our homes if we're not enjoying the marriage what we're going to want to get out of the marriage how many of you want to stay in something that's not enjoyable Hey, this is miserable. I don't like this at all. I want to do this for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years of my life. Nobody's raising their hand and saying that. I want out because I want to be happy. Good news, we can stay in and be happy. Happiness so often is a decision. It is a choice. And and, and if we go around with a chip on our shoulder... That's not good for them that's not good for any relationship. You know, again, a lot of this has, has principles that extend to church, family, neighborhood relationships, coworkers, right? It all tends to be connected. But if we got a chip on our shoulder with the help of God, right, our goal is to, to get rid of that and rediscover our funny bones. A merry heart does good like medicine. And, and in our families, we need more of this vitamin L, this, this laughter. Laughter can be like good medicine, good vitamins for the home. Laughter does so much for our, our physical body. It redu- it, uh, it releases all these great hormones, the, this melatonin kind of hormone, this serotonin kind of hormone, and, and other Related pleasure hormones, uh, even even pain killing hormones, uh, just just from laughing. Do you know? Back in the 1950s, according to research, we laughed on average about 18 minutes a day. The average adult now. Do you know what the research? Into? How many minutes a day we're laughing? Four or five minutes a day. Now that that's probably not you. That's not your story. But just sit here for a moment and think, when's the last time that that I just had a good time with my spouse? When's the last time that we were smiling together, laughing together? See, that's God's desire for us, again, to live joyfully, not just with our spouse but with our children. And so let's make the decision to to have joyful conversations to have joyful dates to to have joyful worship with our with our family to have joyful vacations joyful bedroom time joyful life with with our spouse with with our children with our brothers and sisters in Christ a smile it makes us look better it makes us feel better it literally strengthens the marriage relationship it makes it less likely that we will pursue joy in other places with other people with behaviors that can be so destructive Somebody said the shortest distance between two people is a laugh. So let's laugh sometimes more than we have been. Not at them, but, but with them. Um, we can transform our homes from uh, blisters <laughs> to bliss. We, we, can, we can do that. We can tell our faces that we enjoy being in this relationship. It does so much good for us when we choose joy. It does so much good for the people in our lives when we choose joy. You agree with this? One of the quickest ways to be sad is for us to spend our time waiting on someone else to make us happy. You agree with that? One of the quickest, surest ways to be a miserable person is to be waiting on somebody else to cheer us up, to do something to make us happy. What's Christ's formula for joy? It's so contrary to culture, to the message of the world. His message is wash feet, his message is do something good for somebody else. And the world is shouting to us, You want to have joy? Get somebody to serve you. Get somebody to do something for you. And so we just wait. We wait. And we're unhappy. And eventually we're going to start pouting. Eventually we're going to start fussing. Eventually we're going to be causing somebody else also to be miserable. There is likely nothing in this earth. Closer to heaven than a happy family. There's likely nothing on this earth closer to hell than an unhappy family. If we will do what God challenges us to do, we will have joy. We will have smiles. Let's stay together. Let's say the words we need to say. Let's display the love Let's also play together. In other words, let's be smiling. Let's be laughing together. And let's, uh, let's also do this. Let's pray. Let, let's, let's pray without ceasing, as Paul told the church at Thessalonica. But let's pray without ceasing with our spouse, for our spouse, with our children, for our children and here's a beautiful thing. We can kill, so to speak, two birds with one stone. We can kill several birds. We can get a lot accomplished just by praying with our spouse and for our spouse. I mentioned this morning something you already know. There's a value to, to skin-to-skin contact, to, to hugging and kissing and holding hands. And, and when we pray, would, I, would you just consider doing this? If it's not your present, I don't want to tell anybody what to do, so I'm very kindly asking you to consider this. Would you please consider, even if you've been married for decades and you're doing reasonably well, would you consider holding hands as you pray? Alright, now some of you are sitting there thinking, don't need that. Some of you are sitting there thinking, ah, that's good and we do that. If you're and the that's good, and we're doing that great. keep doing that. It's a good example because some of us pray with our eyes open sometimes and and we we see that and it's sweet to see those of you that are kind of reluctant to do that, I'm guessing you never saw your mom and dad holding hands when they prayed, okay, so you ju- you're just doing you know apple doesn't fall far from the tree or or maybe you're not holding hands because it's overrated because they don't reach over and hold your hand and, and you don't think they want to and it's not that big a deal or there's some friction there and you don't want to be a hypocrite and I'm not going to hold their hand while I pray to God. Okay. Or we're disappointed with them about something and they got a mind better and then I'll hold their hand. The first time I held Judy's hand, Estes Church of Christ, we're worshiping together. Somebody got up front and led a prayer. And Judy, the aggressive girl that she was back in those days, she reached over and held my hand. That's the first time we ever held hands. I'll confess to you, I have no idea what was said during that prayer. Thankfully, it was a long prayer, and I kind of like that. And even when she's angry, but can you believe she'd ever get angry at somebody as good a husband as I am? But even when she's angry with me, I don't think there's ever been a time that she wouldn't hold my hand or I wouldn't hold her hand when we pray together. Think about it this way. When your children grow up and get married, do you want them to hold hands with their spouse when they pray. You do, don't you? Well, I'm kind of indifferent. I don't care if they do or not. That's, not. that's not what you're thinking. The best way to teach your children when they grow up to hold hands is to let them see mom and dad hold hands. And it's not so much about the holding hands. That's just a symptom. That's just an evidence of something else that's, that's going on. It, don't you just like it when you see especially these older couples holding hands? Why don't they just make you smile when you see that. Or when you see an older couple, you know, when they're parting from each other and you see them give the other a peck on the on the cheek or something, you see that's just an encouraging thing. That's something that 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 blesses everybody and helps everybody to feel better about them. C. W. Bradley was A preacher in North Mississippi, and he became one of my professors at Freed Hardeman back in the day. At that time, he was an older man, and his claim to fame was he's one of the preachers for Elvis Presley's funeral, right? And uh, he's one of my favorite professors. One day, it just so happened that I saw his wife dropping him off for work. You know she's driving up in this old car, and and he's next to her, and and I mean they've been married for decades, right? And and before they left each other, they leaned over and they gave each other just a little peck, and all that just that just made me smile. That was just the sweetest thing. See, when we are, when we're doing those things, we're teaching others the value of. Of, of, love that is on display I know that 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 did a lot for me it probably did a lot for a lot more for brother CW Bradley that his wife after all those years still wanted to give him a kiss goodbye you never know when that's gonna be the last time right and so we want to always make sure that we're that we're doing that prayer is such an important ingredient in all of this. Prayer is the, the magnet for many of us that, that brought us together. And it now becomes the glue that keeps us and holds us together. We, we often say, right, the family that prays together stays together. And that, that, that is also, also uh, Something that I've observed in, in the people that I've encountered that are in trouble with their marriage I, I might be so presumptuous as to say to them. Well, well, can you tell me about your prayer life? How often are y'all praying together? And, and they both just kind of look down and, and Then we understand how can we expect to be close to each other if we're not talking to God with the other. If we're not talking to God in positive ways about the other. If we're not talking to God about myself in the company of the other. Help me to be a better husband. Help, help me to love her as Jesus loved. If she hears me praying that, how's she going to feel? Isn't that going to kind of prompt me to be a better husband? Isn't that going to kind of get me in gear more? If I'm talking to God about that, I'm not going to be so hypocritical that I'm not going to put forth more effort in it. And so, let's pray, but let's also just consider, I'm I'm trying to be pushy here, consider holding hands. I I think your children need to see that. Your grandchildren need to see that. God needs to, fellow Christians need to see that. There's a great lesson in that. Oh, this is bad probably but back in the day when I used to do more and I would not call it marriage counseling but sometimes I'd talk to people who were struggling and now I tend just to refer refer that on to people who who help those certain couples and those certain situations every day they're, they're better they can do it better than me I can love I can pray I can squall I can cry with the best of them but there are others that are, that are more equipped to help than me. But there was a time when I would do more of that. And one thing I would always try, is, this is kind of bad, but it worked. It helped sometimes. You know, there's so much anger. There's so much resentment. There's no praying together. There's no playing together. There's no saying. There's no stay. you know, all those rhyming words are gone, basically. And so I ask him. i say, near the end of us talking, I'll say, as a favor to me, would you do this? I just want to ask you a favor, will you do it? Of course, well, it depends, I don't know. I said, when I pray together, would y'all hold hands? It takes a lot to ask that question, to be honest with you. for me, I'm not that courageous. I so, said, would y'all hold hands, just as a favor to me? And they don't want to. One of them might kind of want to, but you know, they're not going to admit that. But ultimately, as a favor to me, just to get me to shut up or whatever, they'll hold hands. And you know what I do? I pray a long prayer. And I'm peeking a little bit to see they still holding hands. Because if they, if they stop holding hands, I'll just go ahead, in Jesus' name, amen, you know. And then after, after the prayer where they've been holding, and they haven't held hands, they haven't touched. He's on the couch, been on the couch for a long time, right? After, after the prayer, they've been holding hands. And just so say, hey, me and they say, you know, amen, they do that. And I'll say, just tell me the honest truth. How did that feel? How did that feel? Be honest. How did that feel? And you know, every time, every time they'll say, it didn't feel bad. It felt okay. Uh, And then I start begging them. I get emotional because I love people. You love people. I, I say, would you please, before you go to bed tonight, would you do that again? Would you hold hands? Hold hearts? This marriage is worth fighting for. And it starts with those hands. It starts with prayer. It starts with your heart. Will you do that tonight? And this is just anecdotal evidence I can share with you. Every couple that has said, yes, I'll do that, somehow they found a way to stay, to display, to say, to play, and all the other. Because it is so powerful. Prayer. Prayer with your spouse. Prayer for your spouse. Prayer while we are holding Hands. See, when we when we improve our communication with God, we're going to improve our communication with each other. That's why the devil is always trying to get us to minimize the value of prayer. When we're praying, what are we doing? We're asking God to help us. And we're receiving his help. He's helping us to stay and say and display and to and to play. So let's pray at every meal. Let's pray at other times of the day, especially if you've got children around. They need to grow up in homes where you're praying and they're hearing mommy and daddy praying together. And, and, and so it will be so much fun if you do this too. Throw in a verse. Ask your kids some Bible questions. And your kids, if they've been involved with our education program, they know the Bible more than we do some of them. Get them to ask you some questions. <laughs> make, it a, make it a game. Make it a fun game where we're learning more about God and the way God. Get them to reenact Bible stories. You know, our adult kids can sit in here tonight and they can remember the times that they were reenacting. And, and we'd let them pick the story and we'd try to guess what story they're They're reenacting. For some reason, Jordan and Josh always chose Cain and Abel to reenact. So that was easy to guess. But it's fun for them. Got to put the cell phone down, though. And the iPad and turn the TV off to make time for prayer. Make time for good communication with God and with each other. You ever thought about asking... The people closest to you, this question, what do we need to do to have a better family? This as good as it can possibly get. We don't need to do anything. How many are going to say that? Maybe. Maybe a few. But most of us, there are some things. Well, whatever those things are, let's pray about them. Let's ask God to help us with those things. And I'm sure that he will. Let me mention one more real quickly. We need to pay. We need to. We need to pay. Romans thirteen verse seven says, "Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed." We need to pay our bills. We need to pay them on time. As you know, excessive debt is ruining so many families. Debt according to proverbs 22 verse 7 leads to slavery the borrower is slave to the lender you know what happens these days couple gets married and within a few months they want to get everything that it took mom and dad decades to to accumulate and we can become consumed with consuming and trying to keep up with people and impress people and buy things that we absolutely cannot afford You've seen the surveys. The number one thing couples argue about is money. Number two is money. Number three is money. Number four is money. It's usually about money. 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. also the root of all kinds of arguments. Money can't buy happiness. Money cannot buy happiness. Money cannot buy happiness. It can purchase a lot of misery here's some questions we ought to be asking before we buy something number one can I afford it number two can I buy it without putting it on a credit card number three is it good quality number four is it good value for the money number five how many hours will I have to work to pay for this number six can I return it number seven will this purchase harm my influence in some way number eight what is my motive for this purchase number nine will I regret this later number 10 is this an impulse buy or well thought out number 11 will I actually use this number 12 do I already have this in my closet somewhere number 13 how will my spouse feel about this purchase if he or she asks me how much does it cost am I going to be happy to reveal the answer Question 14, will I still want this a year from now? Number 15, is this this a gift? Will it be appreciated? Number 16, must I decide right now if I'm going to make this purchase? I literally had a call this afternoon from somebody telling me I had won a Mercedes Benz. But it was going to cost me something to get what I had won. And I had to make a decision right then. If you look in the parking lot you don't see a Mercedes Benz. If we have to decide immediately, usually we're going to decide very poorly and we need to say no to that. Question 17, will this hinder my ability to give to the work of the Lord? So we need to we need to handle money well. Obviously, you all know that. But also when we think about pay, we want to pay respect. Romans 13, 7 also teaches us to pay respect to those whom respect is due. What do we call it when we go to a funeral visitation? We're going to pay our respects to somebody. Does that make any sense to anybody? How do you pay respect to somebody who's deceased? Impossible. They can't hear it. They can't see it. They can't feel it. They can't experience it. We can somehow by our presence comfort the family, but we're not paying respects to the deceased. We pay respects to the living now. Respect people. Appreciate people. Say good words about people. Say good words to people. These people matter. We don't want to save the respecting to the funeral home, but we especially want to do it in our home. Respect that man. Respect that woman. Respect that mama, respect that daddy, respect those children, and the home is a much, much better place. Again, in my estimation, I'm sure yours too, it all gets back to God and our relationship with Him. The better our relationship with Him, the better our relationship's going to be with each other. This is first Peter three, verse seven. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. And as being heirs together, the grace of life, notice this line: that your prayers be not hindered. Want to have a great relationship with God, we, we get to have a great relationship with the people that God has given into our hearts, into our lives. Want to have a great relationship with those people. We get to have a great relationship with the Father. Is it, is it really possible to be right with God and wrong with people or? right with people and wrong with God. No, no. Um, Jane's going to come and lead us in a song as we're continuing the sometimes challenging process of self-examination, self-improvement, leads to home improvement, church improvement, and you know the rest. So tonight, if we can pray with you and for you, give us that privilege, please. Probably we've been where you are. And also, tonight, if You have yet to put on Jesus in baptism for the remission of sins. Oh, there's such help for families in the body of Christ, in the blood of Christ. Uh, we, We have forgiveness of sins. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're added by the Lord to his church. It's a wonderful place to be. It's a wonderful place for our family to be. We may regret a lot of things in this life. We'll never, never regret being a child of the Father. So if you're not yet his child, Become his tonight. If we can help you, would you come now while we stand and sing?